good to be here celebrating New Year's Eve together. Uh, I want to tell you about a Twitter story. In November, a woman posted the following message to Twitter. Several guys moved in next door. Students, I guess. And I've gotten two confused DoorDash drivers for them in the last week. And their trash can was completely overflowing with pizza boxes. I don't think they cook. I am feeling such a strange motherly urge to feed these boys. A minute later, she posts, I've decided to bring over some chili when the weather cools down. Lovely. I saw this post and I thought, oh, so sweet. Here we've all been in our COVID bubbles. What a beautiful thing that a woman notices her neighbor's trash. Like, she has enough presence to see what they're throwing away and to think, oh, these, these poor boys, they don't know how to cook. I'll make them a delicious pot of chili. They'll get to enjoy it together. That's not how other people interpreted this on Twitter. <laughs> the message was retweeted something like 600 times right away with acerbic and vitriolic commentary. People posted that she was, quote, imposing her life preferences on these poor young men, that she was condescending, that she was presumptuous. I mean, what if they had food allergies? One person posted, and I'm going to say this in length, but it was written IDK. I don't know how I would feel if a stranger came by my house with a meal I didn't ask for. Others took it even farther. They said she was, quote, coddling them. That she was enabling, quote, man-child behavior. One person even wrote, maybe this is her sick way of, to assuage her white savior complex. As is the way with the internet, the whole thing went viral. 40,000 likes later, hundreds and hundreds of not just retweets, but quote tweets. And for every negative comment, there were others that were equally disturbed about the death of decency and neighborly values. It became so big that it got picked up by the Washington Post, and they posted this article titled, A Woman Made Chili for Neighbors, and outrage ensued. Was she wrong? I saw this article, I couldn't help read it, but I was like, was she wrong? What's wrong with our world? How could it ever be wrong to deliver a pot of chili to your neighbors? Seriously? So I read the article, and I thought about it, and I thought about it some more, and I started to wonder if perhaps it wasn't the pot of chili but how she spoke about it. Perhaps what all these commentators were picking up about was that this woman had posted about, look at me, look how nice I am. I notice my neighbor's trash and I notice that they probably don't eat and I'm gonna make them, you know, I'm gonna make them chilly because I'm so kind. Maybe it wasn't the action itself, but posting about it that cheapened the gesture. Of course, we come from a tradition that teaches us that when you want to give to others, preserving dignity is of the utmost importance. Rambam famously writes in his Mishnah Torah that there's a hierarchy, there's a level of giving. For him, the highest form of giving 
is not giving it all, it's actually working with someone. It's joining into a business partnership with someone where you really see them and you really understand their needs and their goals. And you create a business plan that works for both of you, where you empower them. On that same level, according to Rambam, is helping someone to find a job, to do for themselves, to gain for themselves. If a business partnership isn't possible, if helping someone find a job isn't possible, then the next highest level of giving is to give anonymously, where you don't know to whom you give, and the recipient does not know from whom the gift comes. So if Rambam were reading that Twitter thread, he would have probably had said, ma'am, you have two options here. Either you drop off a pot of chili on the door with a note that says, like, hope you enjoy your neighbor, or you go over, you strike up a conversation, you get to know them, you find out their dietary preferences, their needs, whether they want to learn how to cook, and if they have that desire, maybe you set up a time to teach them how to make their own chili. This idea is born out in our Torah. Genesis presents two visions, two competing visions of hospitality. On the one hand, there is Lot. Lot who sets himself up in every moment as someone who's deeply focused on his needs. When it comes to resources, to claiming houses, to claiming status icons, he is all about what he needs regardless of what those in his midst might like or might require. And when the scene opens on his moment of hospitality, we find him sitting at the city gates of Sodom. Now, to really understand this moment, it's important to understand what that means. Biblical scholar Jonathan Safran explains that sitting at the gates of Sodom at nightfall doesn't mean sitting at the city gates, it means sitting in the city gate. And the city gate at that time would have been built in an L-shaped to prevent an attack. If you've ever been to, to Jerusalem and you go to the old city, you know this, right? The gates are L-shaped. And so sitting in a city gate would mean that everyone who's coming through at nightfall, right? Everyone's passing through. Everyone can see you. But you can't see everyone around you. You have a very limited vision. So here Lot is sitting where he can be seen but not necessarily see. And these strangers come up, and he immediately jumps up and says, hey, please come back with me to my home. I want to feed you. I want to take care of you. And the strangers are like, dude, no thanks. We got this. Actually, we want to chill in the square for a while. We want to hang out. We're good. But Lot does not take their answer. He's like, no, no, no. No, no, come back with me. I want you to come home with me. Come stay with me. I know you want to stay in the square, but I want to be nice and benevolent. I want to host you. Come with me. So against their wishes, they go with him home, at which point he rushes to prepare a feast for them of matzah and wine. Now, at the time, it would have been customary to cook up a fresh meal. The evening meal, because of the heat of the day, was the biggest meal of the day. But Lot puts up matzah and wine. His kind of hospitality is exactly the kind of hospitality that irked so many on Twitter. It's not about what the people he's helping want. It's about him. 
It's about making sure that other people see him as the kind of guy that springs to action, as the kind of guy who wants to help, that he's sitting in the gates, ready to go, ready to help, regardless of whether they want that help or not. By contrast, Genesis is very careful to present Abraham as the kind of host that deeply sees the people around him. We find him not sitting in the city gates. Instead, he's sitting at the opening of his tent in the terebinth of Mamre. He's not in a place where everybody is passing through, but he is in a place where everyone who passes through, he can see them. He's exposed. He's in the open. Our rabbis teach that in that moment, he was recovering from his own brit milah. He's in considerable pain, and it's the hottest part of the day. And he's sitting out there in the sun, not because it's the most comfortable place for him, but because he's having a chat with God. He's having this divine conversation. And in the midst of this conversation with God, he sees strangers on the horizon. And he leaves his conversation with God. And he ignores his physical pain. And he runs up to them and says, please, please, if it be your will, come with me. I would love to honor you. I would love to wash your feet and give you a delicious meal. Please come home with me. Unlike Lot, he waits for their answer. And only when they say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, which is obviously exactly how it's written in the Bible, does he bring them back to his home. Now, he then gets his whole household to run around and cook food and make a delicious, sumptuous feast, much more than would be expected in the heat of the day. And we get the clear sense that Really, only Abraham and his household know the kindness that's being done for these strangers. He doesn't post about it. He doesn't make a big to-do. It's not about how he's seen. It's about doing the right thing for the people he sees. And that kind of regard, that kind of vision, is rewarded in turn because his guests feel deeply seen, and in turn, they deeply see him. They see him and his wife in their deep desire of what they've hoped for for all these years, of their deepest yearnings, and they bless him that he should have a child in the coming year, a prophecy which comes true. So why all these stories of hospitality and generosity? New Year's is traditionally a time for resolutions. See all these things, and I don't know if you're on Facebook, but there are all these things. I'm, this year I'm going to exercise. This year I'm going to do this. This year I'm going to do this. Let me show you all the people that I've given, all the organizations I've given to this year. And that's really important. We want our resolve to become our best selves. And the way that we're seen in the world sometimes helps us to do that, to embody the best versions of ourselves. But I think there's also something really important as we set these resolutions about not just committing to how we want to be seen, but about committing to see the people in our midst, to really seeing the people around us for who they are, for what they want, and for seeing our role and how we can empower them to become the best versions of themselves. This is something that happened so beautifully last week in Buffalo. There was a couple Alexandra and Andrea Campagna. And they were holed up in their Buffalo home, waiting the storm. They were all set. They loaded their fridge. They were ready to go. 
They were excited for a quiet Christmas at home, cooking their family recipes and waiting out the storm. Just before Christmas, a tour bus full of South Korean tourists got stuck in front of their house. Three out of 10 spoke some English. And they came and knocked on the door and asked if the Campanias perhaps had a shovel to dig out their van. The Campanias could have said, sure, here's a shovel, good luck. But they saw these tourists and they saw what they really dreamed of, what they hoped for, what they yearned for, which is they wanted to go on an American tour. They wanted to meet Americans, they wanted to see the sights, they wanted to have an experience, and here this blizzard was ruining that for them. And by the way, there was also this amazing blizzard on the way. So they invited them in, all 10 of them, and they set up their house, their guest bedroom, and their couches and their floors with sleeping bags and sheets and everything else. And it wasn't about publicizing it, right? They didn't tweet about, guess what? We have 10 South Korean tourists in our house. We're going to feed them. They just created the most magical Christmas experience for them possible. They welcomed them in and said, what's your practice? What are the foods that you like to eat? And the South Koreans shared, and they started to cook, and they started to make these delicious South Korean recipes in their kitchen. And they shared their traditions, and they shared watching football together, and they had all of these magical conversations. And over the course of the weekend, what happened was this magical joining together, where both the tourists and the campanias really got this experience of connecting with someone else. Not to be seen, but just because seeing brings so much joy. At the end of the weekend, one of the tourists shared, it was kind of like fate. The Campanias were the kindest people I have ever met. The Campanias felt the same way about the South Korean tourists. In fact, they're hoping now to go travel to South Korea to get to experience more. And the tourists felt like they got the luckiest storm ever because they got to experience true American hospitality. It's Happy New Year's. It's practically 2023. And as we enter into this new year, my deepest prayer for all of us is that we can really connect, commit to the kinds of New Year's resolutions that will enable us to become the best versions of ourselves, that we will be able to be seen. But more than that, may we all be able to embody the teaching of our ancestor Abraham, to really see the people around us, to give from the deepest places in our hearts in such a way that we are all lifted up to receive blessings beyond our wildest imagination. Please.